0: Our scripture reading today comes from the Gospel of Mark chapter one verses fourteen through twenty. I think many of you probably have already heard, but I wanted to mention if you hadn't we um, we did lose one of our uh, one of our dear uh, church members yesterday, very early in the morning. Uh, Miss Atlas Boyer passed away, and I believe her um, Family is planning on a uh, graveside service on Tuesday afternoon. Um, Atlas was uh, certainly a, a precious soul. Um, I uh, have to admit, I don't think I ever beat her in a game of bowling. Uh, she was uh, kind of amazing at that, um, uh, but a uh, really remarkable lady in many, many ways, and um, I know that we will all miss her Um, we've uh, we've missed her physical presence for a couple of years now since she um, since she moved on over uh, to Alabama to be closer to uh, to family and um, I knew um, uh, physically she'd had a tough time and uh, especially this past year or so um, things have been difficult for her she'd had a a tough time speaking. The last time we had talked on the phone, it had been difficult for her to, to get her words and such. And um, anyway, I, I know the family will appreciate your, your thoughts and your prayers for them in this time. And I uh, just, just wanted to mention that to you and um, be in prayer for them. And uh, again, I don't know exact times, but when I, uh, when I talked to, uh, to her son, they were planning on Tuesday, a graveside service on Tuesday at that point. So, um, <clears throat> Mark chapter 1 and uh, verses uh, 14 through 20. And today I am uh, preaching from uh, New American Standard um, The 1995 update. Would you you please stand in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able. Mark 1, 14 through 20. Now after John had been taken into custody, Jesus came into Galilee, preaching the gospel of God. And saying, the time is fulfilled and the gospel of God is at hand... Repent and believe in the gospel. As he was going along by the sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon casting a net in the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, "Follow me, and I will make you fishers, make you become fishers of men." And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little further, he saw James the son of Zebedee And John, his brother, who were also in the boat, mending the nets. And immediately he called them. And they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and went away to follow him. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the call of Jesus. We thank you for... God, that opportunity to not only receive eternal life in the sense of a salvation from sin, but in the sense of a new life altogether, a life which is lived in faith, in becoming more like Jesus in maturing and growing and becoming what we were meant to be. Lord, may we understand that, God, your desire for us is not simply a moment of belief, but a lifetime of change and growth, of becoming what you have called us to become. Of being fulfilled and how you have carefully designed us and the wondrous plans you have for us father we pray and ask all these things in Jesus name amen you may be seated today I would like to um, very simply talk about the call of Jesus The call of Jesus. And I am distinguishing that call this morning uh, as the call of discipleship, distinguished from the call to salvation. I am talking about those who are called to serve, to follow, to go and to do God's work. beyond simply belief, but to be about the master's business. And so I want to make three simple statements that have to do with this call of Jesus that I believe uh, is important for all of us to understand. And so I'm putting this on a level that I hope we can all get, that if there's five-year-olds or 50-year-olds in here that we can catch. The first thing that I want us to get is that God calls you. God calls you. One thing as Cumberland Presbyterians that, uh, that might um, separate us or might distinguish us from other, some of our other uh, friends and brethren in Christian circles, specifically some of our other Presbyterian brethren, is that we are a whosoever will Uh, gospel belief system. We we believe that God calls everyone to salvation and to service. Uh, We believe that God does not simply say, well, here's just a few certain people that I want to deal with and everybody else, whatever happens to them happens. But rather, we believe that while God may have special goals for certain people and other goals for other people, that he has a heart for this whole world and that he has a calling for all people. Jesus said in John 12:32, "If I be lifted up, I will call all men to myself." Lifting up was him a reference to him being placed and lifted up on the cross. And the cross of Jesus Christ is a message that was not meant for an elite few, but rather it was a message that was meant for the world. His death was not for the special, not for the elite, not for the wealthy, not for the talented, not for any other just little tiny grouping of people, but it was for the world. It was for all. And not only is salvation from our sins for everybody, but also the call to service, the call to be useful to God is for all. So if we're going to understand discipleship, we need to understand that Jesus calls you. You as an individual are called to discipleship now that's very very important that's that would stand out in a big humongous way in jesus day we may not understand that because we don't really understand discipleship the only the only place where we would get discipleship as a modern man or woman boy or girl would be in church we don't get discipleship in any other place Nobody else runs around, you know, you don't go to college and a professor doesn't stand up and say, would any of you like to be my disciples? You know, if they do, you'd run away. You'd say, you're strange. I don't want to be around you. But discipleship was a common thing in the day of Jesus. Uh, very famous and well-known philosophers, rabbis, other well-known teachers took on disciples, but here's the big difference between Jesus and these other teachers. Others, whether they be folks like Socrates or famous rabbis, they'd be well-known. And people would come up to them and beg them, Teacher, might I be your disciple? And the teacher might allow them, if they were good enough, you know, to say, well, I guess I'll let you hang around a while. But interestingly enough, Jesus selected his disciples. He went and chose them specifically. And so here he chose these disciples. But did he go out and choose the most well-known, the wealthiest, the most intellectual? You know, the the ones with the best reputation in the world? Uh, Jesus said, hey, you guys... uh, Down there casting a net, you probably don't even have enough money to own your own boat. You guys come with me. Uh, You guys, you actually do have a boat, but you're still good, hard-working folks. Uh, you, You two other fishermen, you come with me as well. And later on, he selected a tax collector. Later on, he selected somebody who was a zealot, kind of a troublemaker sort, and And he selected a lot of other odds and ends, oddball kind of folks. And eventually, Jesus said, I'm going to get around to putting out a call for everyone. I'm going to invite, when I go to the cross, I'm going to open up my invitation for everyone. Because everyone, I want to be part of my movement. So the number one thing that you need to understand about God's call to be a disciple of Jesus Christ is that God has called you. You have been called. So that leaves you in a position where you cannot be neutral to God's call to discipleship. You must make a decision. You can either accept it. Or you can reject it. Now, you can reject it passively by just kind of ignoring it or forgetting about it. Or you can actively reject it and say, no, I'm not going to do that. But one way or the other, you have to respond to that call. Yes, I'm going to follow. No, I'm not going to follow. Jesus calls you is the first thing that all of us need to understand about the call to discipleship. Secondly, we need to understand about Jesus' call to discipleship is once he's called you and you've accepted it, you follow Jesus. Pretty simple, right? He calls you. If you choose to accept it, you follow Jesus. What did that mean? Well, in the first century, it was pretty clear. (laughs) Come follow me. What did they do? They left their nets. They got out of the boat with their daddy. (laughs) Where he was walking, they walked. They literally followed in his footsteps. I remember as a kid being in dangerous places sometimes. I'd be going with my dad or my grandpa. Maybe it was a snaky place or a a place with a lot of briars or, you know, just a, I don't know. Now, sometimes dad might pick me up, but other times he might say, now you stand right behind me and you step just where I step. And he'd go ahead of me. And there I'd be making long strides trying to step exactly where dad stepped. And it's kind of like that. They would follow right in Jesus' footsteps. They'd go exactly where Jesus went, they'd see what Jesus saw, they'd do what Jesus did, they would watch, they would learn, they'd rest when he rested, they'd eat when he ate, they would just spend time with him. One of the most fantastic books, uh, not books, verses in the Bible to me is a verse that talks about Jesus having disciples that he might be with them. And the first time I came across that verse, I thought, wow, that seems that seems so odd. That seems, that seems so, I don't know, just is that productive enough? You know, we're we're sometimes trained in our society that we gotta be doing a a task, we gotta be constantly on mission, we gotta be fulfilling, producing, constantly, you know, accomplishing. And that the Bible says that one of Jesus' goals with his disciples was simply that he might be with them. The idea was more than just, yes, he imparted theology and scripture and knowledge, but simply spending life with them, that they might understand his heart and get to know him better and just become more like him By following him. So that made a lot of sense immediately for what Peter and James and John and the rest of the 12. Okay, follow Jesus. Jesus said, follow me. They followed. That's pretty plain and clear. But it gets a little bit more fuzzy for us, right? Because while we all believe Because scripture says, if two or more are gathered in my name, I'm their presence. So if I was to ask all of y'all, is Jesus right here right now? We'd say, yes, Jesus is here right now. His spirit is present. But if I was to say, well, okay, well, how do we follow him? That gets a little bit trickier, right? Because his physical presence, his spiritual presence is here, but his physical presence is here. So we have to think a little bit more. If his physical presence isn't here, then how do we follow Jesus today? Well, a really great place to start is this right here. We have God's Word. We have the record in the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, that tell us, that record his life what he said and what he did, at least the most important parts of it. Now, the gospel writers openly admit this isn't everything that, that Jesus ever did. And in fact, one of them says, hey, and, you know, with one of those, you know, kind of exaggerations, one of those where we, where we say whatever we want to say just to make a point where he says, you know, if, if, uh, if I was to record everything Jesus ever said and did, all the books in the world wouldn't hold it. I mean, John literally says something like that at the end of his his gospel. But the gospels are telling us they can't really record everything Jesus ever said and did in them. But the important stuff that we really need to know is in here about what Jesus said and did. So that's the most important place to start. But Jesus also said that when he ascended to heaven, that he would send his spirit and the Holy Spirit came to the church on the day of Pentecost, and that believers, we have God's Spirit. And so when we pray, we ask God's Spirit to reveal to us in his word, to make alive to us, to illuminate, which means to shed light on his word, so we can see, so we can understand his word. And we can, when we read it, that it comes alive to us, And we can understand what Jesus said and what he did. And we can kind of get a picture of how he lived and and what serving him and following him would look like. So that's part of how we follow Jesus today. Another part of it comes with what the Apostle Paul said when he was writing the young churches, the young Christians. He would tell them, he would say, Follow me as I follow Christ or imitate me as I imitate Christ. And so we can learn from that. That another thing is that we follow, we find believers that we look up to. Men and women who are further down the path of discipleship. Who've kind of been serving the Lord a little bit longer or maybe not even necessarily longer than us. But we just see God really working in their life in a special way. We see there's something amazing that that, that God's really doing something in them. Maybe they're our peer, maybe they're even younger, but we just see God working in them, and we get around them because we know we see God doing something there, and we get around them because we know that we can we can we want some of that to rub off on us. You know, we want to learn, we want to be around those kind of people where the Holy Spirit is just obviously working, where God is obviously working. And, and because there's something there and we can learn how God is working through that person. We can see it and it can help us in our attempt to let God work through us. And so as we read his word and as we pray and ask for God's spirit to work through us and as we gather around other believers and try to learn from other believers and and then obviously what we're doing here today is we're worshiping and, and studying God's Word together. Those things allow us to come together in the Spirit of Christ and help us uh, to follow Him. Now, <clears throat> this, uh, this idea of following Christ, now that's a very simple sentence. You follow Jesus. Something that's simple to say Simple doesn't always mean easy, though. We need to understand that. Uh, I can simply say, I lift, I bench press 1,000 pounds. That's simple to say, right? Isn't that simple? Uh, would that be easy? No, that's actually impossible, okay? <laughs> that, that is not true at all. Let me just say, I can't, I can't even squat that. I can't even squat half that. I can't squat, bench press. Every exercise you can do put together, I can't do a 1,000 pounds, all right? Let's think about what discipleship means. And when I say discipleship, I'm using that as a a synonym for following Jesus, okay? Um, Luke 9.23 says this. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. So the idea of coming after him, that is, being a disciple of Christ, is that denying yourself, that is, I'm making an intentional decision that rather than going my own way, I'm going to go God's way. And then, Taking up my cross, that means, okay, death to the old sinful nature. I'm, I'm willingly saying I'm trying to let that, that part of me die, let that part of me fade away, the old fleshly sinful nature, and I want to live for Christ on a daily basis. Every day when I wake up, I'm going to choose once again. God, I'm going to serve you today. Yesterday I didn't do so well. Or maybe yesterday I did pretty well, but I know today's a new day. And it's another opportunity to serve you, or another oppor- or it's an opportunity to serve myself. But today I'm going to choose to serve you. And then I'm going to follow you. So that's the idea of this second, second step in discipleship, is that you follow Jesus, you consciously do so. The third simple point after Jesus calls you and you follow Jesus, is that Jesus transforms you. Jesus transforms you. Jesus calls you. Just like he called Peter, James, John, all the disciples, Jesus called you. He reached out to you. We want to make that very plain and clear. Even though we say it's a whosoever will gospel, even though we say anybody can come to God, we do not mean that you did so on your own. You didn't do so on your own initiative. The Bible says we love him because he first loved us. The only reason you ever responded to God was because he reached out to you first. But he called you, you responded to him, all right? And then you chose to, follow, to believe, and then chose to follow him. As you begin to follow him and continue to follow him, Jesus begins to change you. Because as you follow in his footsteps, you ha- to follow him, what do you have to do? You have to watch him. You have to look at where he's going. You have to keep your eyes right on him. If you look around, you get off track. You notice that when you're driving and you think with all your heart and your mind that you're still going straight, but when you start talking to that person in the passenger seat, no matter how much you think you're still going straight, that all of a sudden blah, 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 those, th- those little rubble strips on the side of the road start telling you, no, 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 you're not going straight anymore. You have started going off to the side. Because when your eyes wonder, your direction wonders. That's just the way it goes. So to follow Jesus, we got to keep our eyes on him. we got to keep watching him. And as we watch Jesus, as we stare into the, to the uh, image of Jesus, we are transformed, the Bible says. Listen to the words of 2 Corinthians 3.18. It tells us all about how we look at him. Well, I thought I had that place marked. I'm going to get there real quick. There we are. But we all, with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. We are being transformed into the same image, that is the image of Christ, from glory to glory, Paul says. In other words, it is a continuous thing. From glory to glory, he means basically from one level of Christlikeness to the next. It, be, it is this continuous journey of transformation where the more we follow him, the more we focus on him, the more we stay with Christ in relationship, the more we become like Jesus. Now... He, this is not the unrealistic, he's not talking about our behavior. Paul knows good and well that we can be saintly and sinner-like. You know, we, we can go from great behavior to bad behavior. He knows that. We all go like this in our behavior sometimes. We all have moods. We all get hangry. We all have problems and mistakes and mess-ups. But he is talking about our relationship and our spiritual growth with the Lord As we follow Christ, he takes us and transforms us and makes us more like Jesus. This is one particular reason I was, um, I used, I read the uh, New American Standard Version today. Uh, A lot of the translations where it says, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. A lot of them leave out the word that's there in the original, which is, I will make you become fishers of men. And a lot of them, because it's kind of almost seems extraneous in English, they just say, I will make you fishers of men or fishers of people. Because it's really a generic word that means all mankind, you know, men, women, boys and girls. But this one, the, the word become is in the original. And it really brings out the fact that when Jesus said, I will make you become fishers of men, he was telling those fishermen, not, hey, Peter, James, John, all you guys, Andrew, I'm going to all of a sudden, boom, you're about to be super saints. You're about to be mega apostles. You're about to be great evangelists the second you follow after me. That's not what he was telling them at all. When he says, follow me and I will make you become fishers of men, he was telling them, you're about to begin a journey. And when you take a step in this direction and another step and another step and another step, you are starting a process that will literally transform your life. But it's not an instantaneous transformation. It is a long walk in the same direction. It is a process of transformation that I will complete throughout your life of Christian obedience. And so you and I need to get rid of this idea of microwave Christianity. Of instant, quick fix. I'm going to be done with all of my temptations, my trials, and my faults. Just by, Jesus, fix me all. Jesus, take it all away. No. God says, you know what? I love you, warts and all. I love you as you are, but I love you too much to keep you as you are. But you're going to follow me, and I am going to change you. As you follow me, as you focus on me, as you look into me, I will change you from glory to glory. I will transform you. I will make you more like Jesus. And there will be a process of you following and you being changed by my glory. So, there it is. There it is. That's what discipleship or the call of Jesus is all about. Jesus calls you. If you respond, yes, you follow him as you follow him as long as you do. When you're not getting off the path, when you're not turning around going in circles, when you're not stopping, but as long as you are following, Jesus transforms you while you are actively following him. Jesus makes clear in Luke 9:23 and other passages that it's very possible for G, for disciples to get off that track, to stop following does that mean that all of a sudden you're not bound for heaven anymore? Nope. It does mean that you're not growing, you're not becoming more like Jesus. You are not be filled with His joy, you will not receive all the blessings that He has for you. You will begin to backslide. There will be many consequences. God says, "Those whom I love, I will discipline. And there's lots of reasons why you don't want to get off that path, but it's not a loss of salvation. But it is certainly a great loss because you will not grow and you will not receive the blessings and continued transformation that a walk of discipleship will bring you. And so the question today that I have for you, uh, it's, it's a very simple question. Maybe actually a series of a couple of them. Number one, have you responded to that call, that initial call? Because we've said Jesus calls everyone. His call extends to all. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll call all people to myself. And he was, in fact, lifted up on that cross. So number one, have you said yes to the call? He called you to be his follower. Have you said yes, I will follow? If you haven't, he's calling you today. I hope, first of all, that you have put your faith in him as the Lord Jesus Christ who will save you. But beyond that, I hope you have said yes to his call to follow and serve him so that you might grow, so that you might become more like him. If you said yes to that call, are you still walking in that call today? Not just the Sunday school answer of, yes, sure, I'm a Christian, but no, really, are you really walking in that path? Or if you are really honest with yourself, are you kind of wandering off to the side? Are you going down some rabbit trail? Have you stopped to take a break? Are you running in circles in your life? Because if you're doing those things, I'm not here to threaten you with the hellfire and brimstone. Because if you're with Jesus, if you've put your faith in him... He's not kicking you out of his family. But he is going to tell you very seriously that if you're not walking with him, there is great loss in so many ways. And the greatest of those is the fellowship and the change and the growth with Christ that would be coming if you were walking with him the way you should. And God is calling you today whether you've never accepted that call to follow him in the first place, or whether you simply paused or stepped off that path, he's saying, follow me. Come on. Join the ride. Get on board. Get on the track. And follow me. And I will make you something greater. To a bunch of Guys who stayed on boats and on the edge of the sea, he said, I'll make you fishers of men. That is, I'll make you go out. <laughs> to hunters, he might say, to guys who hunted squirrels and rabbit, he said, I'm on, he might have said something like, hey, we're going to capture the biggest game of all. I don't know what you do as a living or what you do as your main purpose in life, but whatever it is, he would say to you, I'm going to make you greater. I'm going to do something in your life beyond and more significant, more meaningful than you could ever imagine. And it may or may not change your occupation, but it will change the purpose and the direction and the meaning of your life if you get fully on board with my path. And that's God's calling you to do everything, everything you do in a way that follows and honors him. Follow me, Jesus says. What will you do with that call from Jesus? Pray with me. Father God, you have called us and your son has extended a call The greatest Lord, the greatest Master, the greatest Teacher, the greatest Savior has invited each of us into an intimate walk with Him. And God, each of us, myself and every other man, woman, boy, and girl who's present here today, all those who are listening and watching, on a TV, on a phone, on a tablet, on an app, whether it's today or recorded. It doesn't matter when it is. We all have a decision to make. Will we heed that call? Will we answer that call? And Lord, we can fool others. We can even fool ourselves, but we can't fool you. Father, we have to be honest about that call are we fully on board or are we lollygagging are we lagging have we stopped have we turned aside god help us to be honest with you and with one another father as the old hymn said may we be able to honestly say with all of our hearts i have decided to follow jesus No turning back, no turning back. God, may we be completely committed to following you. God, I pray and I ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.